stand up and get ready to take a blow. You have the confidence that you can accept the blow. As a point of interest, none of my men wear protection in the groin. None. After all, you wouldn't want your attacker to get injured. That hurt my foot. Welcome to Big D After Dark. Uh, we're so glad you're joining us on this Monday evening to watch uh, and enjoy and celebrate some uh, some FC Dallas news and and action. Uh, I'm the host here, Nathan J. Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill. There in the middle is Ismail Belcora at Belcora Isma. There in the end is our buddy Jose Carmona at El Chico Carmona. Hola. Tommy uh, LaBeouf, our buddy, is, is unable. He has a family commitment tonight, so unable to make it. So it's just the three of us. And, of course, it's you, the viewers out there, sending in your comments, your questions live, or listening a little bit later on our podcast version, which is now available on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. So, And we'll try to get it on Google this week as well. So we have a lot to get into because FC Dallas won. Oh, FC Dallas won that first win under head coach Nico Estevez's uh, tenure with in Frisco, and it, it looked for about 80 minutes like a another one of these zero-zero draws, which isn't out of the question when you're placing uh, facing a a difficult defense to break down like Nashville SC, who defends first and tries to hit you on the counter. But FC Dallas played pretty well in this one, both sides of the ball, and after the 80-minute mark, we're able to get a penalty kick. Um, Paul Ariola earned that, and Frank O'Hara slotted it away, and then, of course, Alan Velasco, the super sub of super subs, just dazzled us on his debut. And so we have a lot to talk about, and of course, you out there on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, Send in your comments, your questions, your experiences if you were at the match, your your impression of Alan Velasco in his first minutes with FC Dallas and in Major League Soccer. So let's just do just our, our initial reactions from the match. Ismail, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you like from this match? What were your highlights? Um, I mean... We, we'll talk about Velasco probably. I think the main highlight is just how incredible the midfield is. Like, it, everyone in the midfield is just on another level this year. Cervania, one of the things that we've been worried about is because of Paxson likes to play on both sides of the ball. So we were wondering how would Cervania be able to do in the attack? Because we know he's very good in possession. We know... He's pretty good defensively, but him, like, attacking-wise has been, like, a subject of worry, like, especially during preseason. Uh, I don't think it's a worry anymore. I mean, 
course, this was the first game where we actually created chances and it was like we like we looked really good. But if you look at the highlights on YouTube, every single attack started with Cervania. It, it's not even an exaggeration. Every single one. And I know Velasco's goal, Cervania didn't really do incredibly like didn't do much but i mean he still got the assist it's still his assist and i mean you still got it to the right yeah. person yeah he's still like he's been incredible paxton has stayed on that like really like on that same level of the touches on the ball tr- like pushing the ball the, the attack the the ball from the defense to the attack um and then surreal has been the rock like honey mukhtar was second running last year to be MVP besides uh, Carlos Hill. Like, Mukhtar last year was incredible because, as you could tell, Nashville's attack isn't much. And when Mukhtar isn't lively, like he like he wasn't last night, oh, not last night, last Saturday night, they can't do much in the attack. So mm-hmm. that's all because of Surreal. Surreal shut down the two leading MVP, like the MVP and the second leading MVP candidate in the last two weeks. And it's incredible. And besides those three, it's Velasco, really. I mean, we're going to talk about the goal, but that that was incredible. <laughs> Jose, your initial reactions. I'm agreeing with everything Ishmael says, but I, I have to give the defense some love, the back line. I mean – I know we've all been kind of shaky on Martinez and we've been waiting for Tafari, but I actually loved how he was battling out there. That was a war he had going on with Sapong, right? And and I I loved that. I loved seeing that he wasn't backing up. I mean, he was getting his licks in. He was definitely getting, you know, banged up and he was returning the physicality. But for Fon has been a revelation on defense. You got Hedges, and I thought Nano played really well in defense, too. I mean, they didn't even get a shot on goal, right? I mean, that's sensational. I know, and yes, Surreal and the midfield also contribute to that defense, by the way. So it's the team defense as a whole. This doesn't even look like the same team that, that we were working with last year. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they've been positionally – and and they're positional and they're and they're cutting off of the lanes and and just everything has been clicking this early for all the you know our complaints stuff like that. The defense has been a rock to start and 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 if they're if this is just something they're building on. I mean, if it's not even set yet. You got to be excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Martinez. I mean, it, it showed a lot in this game, but I think throughout the year and preseason. We still saw a couple of like his negative tendencies, but the thing that's improved a lot is, and after every single foul against an FC Dallas player, he's there. He's there, yeah. standing up for his teammates. I mean, that's not a, a quality that can be overlooked. Um, again, it is. It's very difficult for a player of his age to improve on the like on the physical and like like mental qualities of his game but last year was really tough for him on and off the field not like not just the injury but i mean again the first year for any mls player coming from abroad when they've never been to the u.s is always very difficult and i mean that's why you always have to judge on a curve in that one um 
Martinez really showed that he can he 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 can he can do the part. He can be the leader. He can be that vocal leader. I mean, we know Hedges is, is the captain, but he's not the vocal leader. And I mean, Martinez being the vocal leader was not something on my bingo card this year, but he's really shown that he bleeds for this team. And it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, I also want to make one other observation is, is look at our defense uh, productivity this week compared to the two previous weeks where we said we don't really have much. But this week, you saw a team that's closer to full strength. And when they went to the bench, there wasn't a drop-off. You know, there wasn't a drop-off when Nanu left. There wasn't really a drop-off when Paxton left. There wasn't a drop You know, I'm just saying, as a whole, there was no drop-off. There was a drop-off with Nashville, a clear drop-off when they brought in the reserves. Dallas had no drop-off, and you could actually say that they actually played better, even better. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do that, you know, against, by the way, one of the best defenses in MLS for the past couple of years. I think I think they've only allowed, like, two goals twice before and, and ever since, since, since Zimmerman joined that back line. So this is no small feat. Yeah. I mean, worth noting one of their super subs, and I say super very sarcastically, is a $7 million striker DP that cannot start, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, the the team showed they, you know, we've already talked about it in previous weeks, that we lack that, that offensive depth, like a Frank O'Hara, who you can count on to come in and coolly slot away the PK, just like we saw there. Um True pro, uh, true pro, and, and just disrupt and do the things that he does. I think he has a big role to play. I mean, still, you know, $3 million for a, an offensive sub, and maybe not what you would prefer to spend, but if he gets the job done, he scores some goals and gets you some wins, then you, you're fine with it. You're fine with it. But then, and of course, I, Alan want... Velasco, here we go. Here we watch, you know. Oh, oh my Lord. Lord. I cannot just, get tired of watching this. Just, there's an incredible, yeah. There's an incredible video on Twitter. Uh, someone from DB from Dallas Beer Guardians who posted it, and all they did they put the uh, the the comment uh, commentator soundtrack of uh, of Messi scoring that goal that he ran from like halfway like oh, a yeah. decade ago yeah. or so, and it's perfect. It's it's amazing. Yeah, Todd's making uh, the. The point here that that Hara runs to pull and drag and make those defenders just hesitate, you know. The right, the right kind of run, you know, right. that there to pick up if 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 that if that keeper spills the ball. Oh, wow. Hara was there, and, and I want to say I want to give kudos to Hara on that PK. You saw that Jesus wanted to take that PK. You saw that Velasco wanted to take that PK, and Hara stuck to his guns and basically said, "I'm going to take that PK." And when you do demand take that PK and you tell everybody else, no, this is my PK. Then you got to nail it. And he did that. So that's that. I love that. I, I, you know, we all have had our issues with Hara, but let's face it. He can be a a true super sub on here for this team. And, and we say, Hey, who's going to be that double digit score. Hara can be that double digit, double digit score without being the starter. And if, 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 I don't care if he gets them half of them on PKs. Who cares how you score as long as you score? 
Well, we've had a few questions come flowing in here. And, of course, Todd had one earlier, what changed in the starting 11. And, of course, we, we really we didn't see any change. Um, he, he was <laughs> he was being sarcastic. He was saying, hey, Izzy, what, what changed? Like, it, it, was it Ima? Maybe it was Ima? Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> Nanu, yeah, that's it. So, well, but but I think it is still. We're, we're seeing this team, and, and this is what we're hoping to see, is this, see this team grow. You don't want to – in Major League Soccer, you don't want to start out the year so strong that then you just struggle from that point on with injuries and things. You just always want to be building, getting better, getting guys healthier, getting guys fit, uh, integrating pieces. Um, ben here is you know happy that the two offensive subs got the goals, uh, and you know and and Todd pointed out the Hara's run on that Velasco goal, and it, but it was just a, a special goal from a special player. There's the downside of scoring a goal like that on your debate debut is that we're just going to expect it every game now, and yeah, yeah. we got to temper is, our expectations is, uh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, this is the Andres Ricarte theorem that when you score an incredible goal on your debut, your expectations are high. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think that's interesting, Beryl. But the difference is that Dallas never seemed to know how to use Ricarte. At least Lucci had issues figuring out where to best play him. There's no mm-hmm. doubt where Velasco belongs. Hmm. To be and fair, this is the same thing with Brian Acosta. Same thing with Brian Acosta. Scored a great goal, I think, his second game. <laughs> this is true, but but he was really not. Uh, I think you can say that both of those guys were not really creative players as far as players that you would expect to get goals. Yes, they scored, and they showed they could score in that fashion and set the bar this high. Then again, they weren't 19 years old either. So this kid <laughs> will forgive him if he doesn't score all the time and if it takes time because we understand that the uh, the Allen that we see this year is just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, mm. I, I know it's exciting. I, I want to tone everyone's expectations down. Just I don't really expect him to be a, a heavy goal scorer. But I do expect him to, uh, you saw me even before that goal, make that defense basically freeze. And 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 he did make some other passes to other players uh, and, and really helped break down that defense. And that's really all, all I expect from him. Is if he, with him on one side and everyone on the other side, they can break those defenses down. The, the more players that Dallas has that can do that, the so, more. So, Jose, you do see. You do see Ben's Ben here says does FCD develop Velasco as a ten or a winger? So do you you think a winger is the where winger you want is him? the is the the winger is the, the position of need. I, that's where I expect him to play. But I could see I could see where where people say, Hey, who's going to rest? Who's gonna come in if uh uh Cervania or Paxton need to rest, you know? I could see him starting there, and then you start, you know, Obreon on the wing. I, I can tell you that that uh, the Argentinians will tell you that he can play the ten. You know, he can play. Uh, I mean, he'll be a, he'll be an eight, really. Play this an eight in, the, in Dallas, but you know, he had two tackles in 26 minutes. He he, he was one of the leading tacklers for the team. You know, I, I was I was kind of surprised. Like, what? what I didn't even I don't even remember seeing those tackles. But but the point is. Uh, people tell you he can play centrally. He can really play anywhere on that attacking third. And people say, who's our third striker? 
you could probably put him at striker too if you wanted to. Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, flexibility is important, but again, I think primarily, depth, primary depth, yeah, depth does matter though here because I think yeah. Velasco coming here and being the starter basically fixes the depth at the wings, like because we know uh, Sean is. We, we think Sean is good. Uh, we we haven't seen enough to say that he can start in MLS um, week in and week out. And I don't know, my first impress, like my impressions of what uh, Esteves sees with Sean is maybe he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not like the biggest fan of Sean just based on um, dropping Sean for Khalil for the, on the bench this week, uh, this last week when Sean is going to the international friendlies with Hungary this month. that I, I, I don't know what they're going for. It might be some... Yeah, they're, they're international friendlies, but yeah. my so, question is that that's why he got dropped is because, you know, it's like, hey, do you want a chance of getting minutes and getting injured and then not going to the call-up? So I, 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 I hope that's it. Like, yeah. I hope that's, that's my it. opinion on it. Yeah, but I mean, you have Sean, you have Khalil, and now you have Obreon. That's all depth that's serviceable in MLS. That's that's pretty good for for depth at the wing. I mean, I don't think Velasco being able to play as a ten or being able to play as a striker fixes the issues we have there at depth. That it's, I mean, again, I know we can't have three deep on every position, and all those three players for all the positions are serviceable MLS players. That that's unrealistic, but again, Velasco playing as a 10 kind of changes how the team plays because the team doesn't play with a 10. It's it's exactly. it, like even, even with a 4-4-2, it doesn't play yeah. with a 10. Yeah. So, I mean, you could put him in the midfield. You could play him as a second striker, but that it changes how the team has to play. And, I mean, we can't really say if it works until we see it work but or see it happen, I, but, I mean, I don't want that to be – I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's uh, Dallas can mix it up. That's all I'm saying. Is he has the flexibility to do that. You prefer him focusing on one position. I think wing, left wing is going to be that position. But I could see, I could see Nico basically moving him around from time to time, just to add a different look. And I think that's where I'm getting at. It, you know, we've seen it before. I mean, when it goes to a four-four-two. You could actually bring Obreon as the second striker. I'm not saying they will, but they've done it in the past, and you know we've seen we've seen it in the past where where you can put a really fast player like when they had Barrios starting. I think Obreon could be that kind of player, especially if you're playing more of a of a counter style, you know, where you're gonna need those fast guys on top. I'm not saying it's ideal, but I'm just saying it's that or start an experienced player. As a striker, I mean, right now our third best pure striker is in North Texas right now. So, I'm just saying I could see some experimenting. Is what I'm saying. Todd is coming in hot tonight, boy. He's he's got some. He's he's having some fun takes here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're just comparing his first. We're just comparing their first goals. It's it's fun to because again, like the last th- like two wonder goals of our. Of our he's been, memory is he's been reading the Ricarte third degree, and Acosta. He's been reading the third degree net comments, which you know yeah. I, I was I've been saying 
They like to douse the water on excitement. Sorry, carry on. Just want to point that out. That, that was an earlier conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Go on, Ismail. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no. It that it was just that. Like we're not comparing Velasco to Ricarte. That would be asinine. That doesn't make sense. But I mean, again, it would be great if he scores that scores another goal like that again at some point in the season. Because then. Then that's like okay, he's broken the curse. And if he keeps doing that, I mean, yeah. he's gone by this summer. I mean, like, who's you know, you know, there's just all those scenarios. So, you've, uh, let's let's just wait and see. Let's give him time. I do think this opens the door to that first start this coming weekend. Um, and, and so we'll look forward to that. So let's let's shift. I, we I, okay. I want to I want to defend the uh, Hara taking the PKs Bushley. Hara is known to do was known to do several things well, and PK was one of them. And the only reason he didn't take PKs last year was because of we already had a guy that took PKs, and so and he was the captain. So Hara was basically in the backseat. Now that's not the case. Now your only proven PK taker is Hara, and so ideally you want your proven taker to take that shot. And until he starts missing. You should keep taking him if he's on the field. I yeah. have no problem with that. Yeah, I had, I had no problem. It would have been fun to see Jesus get his first goal just to get him going and build that confidence too. But I, I understood as well if that's how the team has worked it out, then that's what you do. Um, well, let, let's let's just shift then. We've, we've talked about the great things, and there are a lot of really good things. Were there things uh, to grow on? And before we get to that, think about that. Were there's, there's, there's still things you hope the team works on. And we can talk about Nanu his first start and uh, what the team missed when, when uh, uh, without him out there. Um, but let's, let's hear uh, Brandon Cervania, just a quick, quick little post-game media comment here. He talked about his performance and the victory. No, it's definitely positive. Um, excited to, to be able to get the first win, uh, especially here at home. That's, that's huge for us. You know, we're trying to win as many games as we can as, at home. I think that's going to help us, you know, in the long run. Um, I think we did really well today, um, you know, controlling the game, kind of controlling the tempo and, and creating more chances and, and finishing those chances today. So, I mean, overall positive, and we definitely have things to improve on, but um, it's, it's a nice first step. De- overall positive? I mean, you could, I could, you could just see Brandon's energy <laughs> just in that, that little short clip there of his, of his reaction to the game. But... Yeah, still some little things to work on. So what are those little things to work on? Um, I thought Nanu was okay in the time he was in. He's certainly, but but he revealed what we know about him, what the scouting said about him. That he's fast player, he's athletic player, he, he's offensive-minded. Defensively, okay, he can put in an okay shift, but he's not going to wow you there, definitely. Now, he may get better at that, but he w- he was fine. But when Emma came back in, it, Emma definitely helped kind of shore things up near the end with his athleticism and his energy, and kind of locked down the result, so to speak. What I mean, yeah. I mean, at the 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 thing about Nano is that you could tell he's not ninety minutes fit. It's it was obvious. I mean, because in the first half he had like two or three crosses that were exceptional, like better than any crosses that we've seen all year. Um, none of them could really result in anything because all the crosses went to Obreon and Jesus, and they have 
Zimmerman and Romney in the box, so they weren't going to do anything with that. But they, they were really, really well done crosses, like pinpoint to, to the players in the box. Um, defensively, yeah, he didn't really do much. Uh, that doesn't mean he's bad at it. Again, him going against Portland next week is going to be interesting because I'm pretty sure we both, we all expect him to start next week as well. Um, him going against Portland with the attack that they have, um, Yumichara playing or the young DP that they have now playing, um, Blanco's on the bench. So there's going to be wingers that he's going to have to face that are going to come, come at him. Um, we'll, we'll see how he does there. Um, I, I still think, as most people know, that Emma is more than serviceable. I think he's an MLS starter. But again, if Nanu has the skill set of an attacking wing back and, Nanu, and Tumasi has the skill set of a defensive wing back, then we have two players that can be serviceable in two different types of games. Um, th- that's a good thing to have. I mean, it'd be great if it's combined all in one. But, I mean... They're both very good players at what they do. So, again, we can't take too much off of this game because, again, he's not 90 minutes fit. But if this is his ceiling, which I doubt it is, then it's still workable. So it, it'll, it, it's going to be interesting to see next week. Yeah, I like what I saw from, from Nanu, and I agree that he faded. Um, I think you still see that he's not – he doesn't – yet understand his team. You saw some of his passes look bad, but mostly because it's clearly <coughs> more likely just miscommunication of where the pass was supposed to be or where the player was supposed to run. And that's going to take a while for him to get used to what his teammates' like preferences are. And and so I thought at times, even though he did consistently break into the third, he seemed a little lost once there, you know, outside of the crosses, of course. I'm talking about uh, passes. <coughs> and I think that's just something with time. I mean, that's something that's going to take, might take a full half season before that gets yeah. rectified to the point where we're satisfied with it. But right now, you got to be excited with what he brings to the table. And you got to be excited with Dallas going from almost having no reasonable starter at right back last season to now they've got two guys that you could uh, start against depending on the opposition. And, uh, by the way, Nanu has actually played left back in Portugal also. So I, I'm, I know he's better at right back is his natural fit, but he's also cap- capable of playing on left back. So, I mean, this guy has a lot to offer. We're seeing just, you know, a scratch, you know, uh, of what he can do. And then, like I said, we got to wait till he gets fit, you know, before I think we can truly see what what else he can bring. Yeah. Because once, once, once the player gets gets fit and their confidence level as to, as to how hard they can go also rises. So, yeah, the, I mean, the only other thing that the team really, I think, can c- continue to grow in, obviously, is the, probably little things that Brandon alluded to, like, you know, continue to be communication, anticipation, all those kinds of things. You know, just finishing, um, just, you know, just getting that final ball, that final product and putting it away. You know, it's it, you don't want to complain too much in a game where you win 2 nothing. But it would have been nice to have a goal a little bit earlier to you know, not leave it so late. I'll do the complaining. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. This is the one negative thing of this game is that Jesus has not 
improved um, from the second game, which, I mean, again, it's a long season, but it wasn't even just the missed chance in the first half, which was bad, but, I mean, that's the same kind of, like, Hara of last year would have missed that. I mean, it's it's not, like, egregious. One of the moments that I got really frustrated in was, and I don't want to, like, harbor down, like, specific moments, but that one play where Ariola won the ball near the goal line and, like, beat the defender and he crossed it low in the box, that's a kind of moment where Jesus needs to realize the situation because it was, like, three seconds from when Ariola won the ball to when he crossed it, where Jesus needs to make that front post run. That's him. That's what the striker has to do. And he instead camped in between Zimmerman and Romney. And I mean, that's, again, he doesn't have that poacher instinct. He doesn't have that fox in the box instinct. He needs to have that because that's the kind of goal that the striker is going to get in this kind of system. Because Ariola and Velasco, I mean, we've seen it from Ariola. Velasco is going to do that. He's going to run into the box. He's going to beat the defenders one-on-one. Sometimes he's going to take a shot and score an incredible goal, but sometimes he's going to cross it in. Jesus needs to be in positions to do that. And hopefully he 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 learns it. I'm pretty sure he can do it. He's, he's got the talent level. It's just, it's really frustrating. And I mean, that's why we wanted him to take that PK. Because if it's his confidence level then it would have been almost fixed with the PK, we think. But if it isn't his confidence level, then that's kind of boring because that's that's something instinctive that he needs to have. Well, I brought the, I brought the temperature down. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I actually wanted to point out something rather interesting, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, and that proves that, that basically he's not – really playing as a striker, still playing very much like a midfielder. Uh, yes, he had three shots on goal, and, and uh, three shots and one shot on goal, uh, which is actually improvement over the first two games uh, as far as actually shot attempts. It's still not good enough from if you're going to be the, 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 you know, the main guy, uh, especially with Cervania out, shoots you, you know, five to three. But it, this is a shocking stat that I was looking at. He had two tackles, two interceptions, two clearances. But these are not striker stats. He had better defensive stats than some of the defensive players or midfield, uh, midfielders out there. And and that's really the problem. The problem is that that he's so used to – he's playing like – Rudy did in this final, you know, season with with uh, Dallas, where he was too busy dropping so deep to try to get the ball or to help out that he was neglecting his main priority, which is get forward. You know, and 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 I think you're still seeing that from Jesus. You're still yeah, we're all still seeing it. He's still basically a fourth midfielder out there. You know. And, and until he breaks that, I mean, it's nice stat to have, but not the stats you want to see, see from your striker. It's like, hey, you know, our striker had two tackles, two interceptions, two clearances. So that's great. What did he do in the box? Because that's what everyone's going to remember. So he actually had 
a good overall game, but at the end of the day, that's not what we want him to do. We don't want him to be that overall player. We want him to be, like you said, the guy that finds a way to score, and that's what he needs to be focused on. And honestly, that, that's something that, that Nico's going to have to figure out how to get the best out of him, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's going to take time. It's not something that's going to get solved in one week or two weeks. And, yeah. and hopefully hopefully we start seeing Nico address that. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe, that, it takes, yeah. maybe it takes benching him for one game and putting Hara out there and, and saying watch what Hara does because Hara isn't going isn't going to be dropping that deep because he knows he knows he can only drop so deep before he starts neglecting what he's best at and and he has he's not a fast player he's a deceptive he has some deceptive quickness when he needs when he when he needs to but he's the guy who's gonna you know use that in bursts so. I'm just saying the solution may be to give Hara the start and, and, and have the students basically say, okay, we need, you need to start doing what he's doing. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Um, he's not going to get dropped next week. Jesus is probably going to play next no. week. And, and uh, Velasco hopefully will start next week, which is then when we can make certain like definitive statements. Cause I think Lozano just made the comment that, it might be because the midfield still struggles with getting him the ball. That's might be the possible might be the possible reason why he keeps dropping back. Velasco is very good at transitioning the ball from when he gets it at the halfway line to when he when he goes into the attack into zone 14 into the winger areas. He's very good at that. So getting the ball from the defense to the offense might not be an issue anymore with Velasco. And hopefully Paxson continues to improve because that's one of the things that he needs to improve on is being able to get the like he's he's good at transitioning the ball, but he's not great. So as they improve and as Velasco starts, Jesus has less of an excuse to keep dropping back to try to get the ball. So I agree with that. If, I agree. If if he keeps doing that, then not only is he probably gonna start interfering with the midfield's ability. It becomes like now that Hara's back, there is a legitimate player to put onto the field instead of Hazers. One that has a bigger salary, so his salary can't be a commentary anymore. So, it, mm. that is the, the, the this is going to be a turning point now that Velasco is here and probably going to start the next couple of games. This is when Jesus needs to show that the first three games were just. Um, early season jitters because if it continues like this then there's a decent chance Hara starts and we know that that can't last for long because Hara doesn't have a stamina for that so it's going to be interesting to see how the next yeah. couple of weeks turn out and I agree with that I, I think I think that's the one thing I've said before is, is we got to wait to see what happens once the last goal starts playing regularly because he'll Defenses are going to have to figure out how to stop Velasco. You saw them swarming him, two, three players, and and that's going to continue. That's going to leave players open, players like Jesus, players like Ariola. It's going to make things better for the attack, and they're going to get added opportunities from that, and they got to finish them. I mean, it, it's 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 honestly, if you start talking about exciting attacks in the league. Just the youth and playmaking ability that that Dallas has across the board, you know, it'll be inconsistent, 
it's going to be fun to watch. A little frustrating yeah. for us fans, but I think if you're a fan from that's not an FCB fan, you're going to be like, wow, look at what all these guys are doing. You know, they can only figure out how to finish. But I think for FCB fans, it's a little frustrating. But still, I think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, very exciting, if sometimes frustrating uh, attack. I, I look forward to it. Well, that's good. Well, we spent a good chunk of our time. I think we want to we want to talk a little bit North Texas, and so let's just go ahead and jump into that. Um, but but there's so many more other stories that I think we'll get to talk about. And just like let's let's be real as FC Dallas fans. For once, uh, we have an off season transfer, a whole set of signings of trades that are pretty much working out, right? Like gosh, I, I I don't know what world this is or what what it, if I should feel comfortable in this. But Velasco's look good, and hopefully he continues to look good. Uh, Farfan has been phenomenal. We just like, like gosh, what a what a trade that turned out to be. And we were and I was pretty down on it because I'm like, man, Hollingshead has been such a. I was hoping he'd retire as an FC Dallas player, but. Uh, you know, and and Nanu, it looks like he's going to be an interesting piece to have in the mix. Um, so some some good some some good good moves. Areola. And, and Areola and Areola, yeah, and Areola is a leader on that front end, and uh, you know, just battling the, and just gr- gritting out that penalty kick. Uh, just that's just oh, it's just good stuff, you know. So <laughs> Ben says, "What version of the multiverse is this?" That's right. What's it's it's a good one and, for some and- of us at least right now, but. And you can't Relatively. look at you can't see the Furfan play in the first three weeks and not think that we fleeced LAFC simply because we were told this is a defensive guy. He's okay defensively. He does do much for going forward. He looks like a good all-around player. Yes, he's been sensational on defense, but he hasn't looked half bad going forward. At least not from what I was told initially that you know he does not for much. He's looked great, and he's looked great without Velasco. So now I imagine with Velasco out there is the main guy they're going to be uh, focusing on. I mean, for Farfan, he's got in dangerous positions. He's made runs that you want to see from a modern, uh, you know, left back. So I don't, you know, the, the, the limitations, I haven't seen any limitations. I've seen a really good player who appears to be, you know, getting into, has been in MLS long enough that he's starting to make a step forward which is what Dallas loves to find. You know, they try to take chances on players that they think are going to make that next step. Farfan looks like he's making that step. And, and this is, I think this is why we're excited. You know, this is an unexpected. Another player that's making a step before we move on is Cerillo, who, by the way, after three games, is averaging almost 93% passing accuracy. This is from mm-hmm. a guy that, mm-hmm. other than Matt Hedges, touches the ball the second most on the team. And, and, and what I like from this game that uh, I'm not sure I've seen so much in other game is now you're seeing him not only pass the ball forward, but you see him, him actually beat players on the dribble because they expect him to either lay off the ball or, and you see him basically use that as, as like a stutter or a fake. And next thing you know, he's pushing forward more. I really like seeing that this game. I like seeing Surreal adventure forward with the ball. And, and and that's something I don't think we've seen from him. So that's also another another sign that his confidence is growing. I think that midfield confidence as a whole is growing because people were worried that we were going to get bossed around. And maybe we saw some a little bit of that, a little bit in, at points in the first two games. 
but you got to be excited about all three players. Not, I don't want to single one out. I'm saying mm-hmm. that all three look like they're taking a step forward as a group. And that's, I mean, that's just not, even in your wildest yeah. imagination, you just hope one or two would make a step forward. And, and we didn't even mention the goalkeeper who, you know, hasn't had to be too, <laughs> I mean, he stepped up. He's done what he's supposed to do. He looks pretty decent back there. Um, they're getting some good, good, good opportunity to look at him. I don't know that he's beating out Jimmy Marr at the moment, but he's he's been very fine. And luckily, the defense but, has played so well. He hasn't had to do a ton of things. But what he's but had to do, you got to okay. start. You got to start thinking that 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 gamble that you know half season loan gamble with it may have paid off for him. I mean, you, he's played well enough that Dallas has to consider, hey, this guy maybe. Maybe he's even with Jimmy, or maybe he's right behind Jimmy. But you can see that maybe after a year or so, Jimmy, like I said, you got a young guy and you got a veteran. You want that player that's on his way up. I certainly think think he's he's showing hints that that he may be a guy worth finding. Well, let's let's jump over to North Texas, and then we're gonna we'll close the show and we'll talk about the the game against Portland. So. So uh, North Texas SC first game is coming up March 24th. The, the roster is coming together. They have about 11 players signed, including a player signed uh, basically in collaboration with Bayern. Um, and Bayern will get the first dibs on on buying him if he if he shows promise. And so some exciting some exciting kinds of things happening there. Some collaboration, some loans elsewhere. I, I like the look of this roster, and, and of course, before the show, Jose pointed out that um, there are about five players from FC Dallas, the senior roster, who will spend a lot of time with with this with, in the MLS Next League, uh, including. Let me make sure I get them all right. We got, of course, Carrera, uh, Nikki Hernandez, Colin Smith, uh, Benji Redzik, and Parker. Uh, Isaiah Parker, yeah, the the, the kind of left back potential project there. I yeah. uh, and I want to point out that it's March twenty sixth. March twenty sixth. Okay, thank you. Because the twenty fifth is the first game of the, of the league, and that's like a standalone game between uh, the St. Louis and Rochester, and then all the teams play the, the day after. So it's the twenty sixth. They goes to have a new head coach. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, of course, who else from the senior team may get stints there with them and just to rehab, to get fit and things like that. It's always a a benefit. Of course, some academy kids will be able to come up and play and fill in spots. So I, I doubt, I don't doubt there's another two or three signings that are coming that, that they're taking a look at. So what are you know? What are the goals for this? Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that North Texas will be in a position to compete for the hardware. They 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 when they started with USL uh, League One, they won the the championship that first year. Why not? Why not do it here with MLS Next? Right. I mean, that would be great. But just seeing that they lost to Houston's um, MLS Next side two zero, I think again that's preseason. But there needs to be a reality check that all of these teams now have so much freedom with roster building. It's crazy the amount of freedom that MLS has allowed this league to have. Um, I mean, there will be times when 
an MLS side will send out send down a, a good player um, and have him like just get his fitness up in MLS next. So I mean, this league is going to be way over. I mean, St. Louis is going to have they signed a player from the German league, and he's going to come in the summer and he's going to play for MLS next again. So this. Like, I really don't think we can make that many predictions with how open this league is. I think the goal is to have a player promoted from North Texas SC um, to uh, FC Dallas's first team next year. And it's not a homegrown. It's a signing that they made. Because we know that we can have – we're going to have homegrowns. Like, I mean, having players like Nolan Norris, like – Played very well in preseason, or Antonio, uh, or uh, Anthony Ramirez, or Sa- Santiago Ferreira. Um, they will probably have a chance to sign homegrown contracts in the next couple of years, if not next year. But the thing that North Texas hasn't been able to do very consistently is sign a player that isn't affiliated with FC Dallas, have him come to North Texas have him perform very well for North Texas and then FC Dallas have signed. That that's something that has been missing. So hope that's what that's the goal. Maybe it's Mulatto because the the guy from Bayern because he's probably gonna do very well here, hopefully. Um but Bayern's not gonna start him when when or if they sign him. So maybe he gets loaned back to Dallas next year. FC Dallas, the first mm-hmm. team, maybe. I think that's the main goal that we see a player that isn't affiliated with FC Dallas Academy and have him play very, very well. Yeah. The After Dark mascot, Drogo, is there giving us a show, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, that complaint may be solved soon about North Texas development players that were not from the Academy. Blaine Ferry is on the cusp of getting signed to the roster. It hasn't happened yet. I think FC Dallas is holding off. But it's very likely that he's one of the players from North Texas that will be loaned up to the senior team in times of need. So Blaine Ferry is a guy who's made that step up. He's looking better uh, looking better this season than he did this season before, and he looked great last season. Also, I don't know whether whether if North Texas contends for a title will depend on on how, what FC Dallas decides to do down the stretch because this should be a playoff team in this league while yes there are team there are some teams that that'll be fielding uh, a team full of grown men North Texas craves that FYI you know FC Dallas craves that for for this team this is going to be a U20 team basically and and the strength of the team and also its weakness is the academy uh there's a there's this guy on twitter called uh he is us soccer 97531 who did a ranking of all the academies and, and a great thread by the way uh he had fc dallas third third on there despite the fact that that and, and mind you a lot of us fans you know with their high you know probability guys are down in FC Dallas this year because they don't have another Pepe or, or, or another Paxton or anything in the academy. 
that's they're looking at it from the U.S. men's national team. It's true that the academy doesn't have as many USMT prospects as they have in the past. But even before the Peppies and the Paxtons, Dallas was still churning out homegrowns. The, the Victor Loas were out there, you know, the, the Sanchez were out there. The, 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 that's not going to change. North Texas may not have the best USMT prospects anymore. And, you know, because other camps are catching up. But depth-wise, the amount of players that the academy has that have the potential to be homegrown potential, you know, say a Eddie Munjoma or or a, or a Benny Redzik or or a Colin Smith, someone that comes to go on to become like a, a MLS lifer, that's still there. That hasn't changed. They're not sexy, gonna be superstars be sold to Europe players, but the academy still has a crap ton of players that could earn time in MLS, or at, if not, go on to be someone like uh, Damas or or uh, Arturo or or Rayo, who's now these are USL uh, SL championship level guys, you know. Um, uh, Aaron, they, yeah, um, they may still make their uh, jump at some point. You never know, you know. Yes, I'm just saying the the. That's the kind of level of players that are still capable of being found in the academy, and and they have a ton of them. So the first half of the season for North Texas is rotate as many academy players as possible. This will lead to inconsistent results. They won't look super, but they're going to figure out which players are ready to take a step up. And then at when the summer transfer window hits, look out, because Dallas will then know which are the best academy players that are ready to play at this level. And then they can then go and grab players from either down from the senior team that aren't getting minutes or bring in players like they've done before from college. Look at all the, look at all the college players that Dallas sends out. Some of these players may decide, you know, come July that, hey, why not sign with North Texas? So the resources available for North Texas as far as, as strengthening this team in July are ridiculous. And I know other people say that other teams can do this. Not true. Not true. There's only a limited amount of teams that have an academy at the same level as FC Dallas and has as many players in college as FC Dallas that they can try to recruit to North Texas. And well, it won't be seen as a step down, which yeah. I think is a problem, by the way, that U.S. championship teams, I thought they'd do well at this level. But there are players that were on those rosters are leaving them in droves because they see it as a step down. North Texas doesn't have that issue. Yeah. They know the level. I mean, they know it's a stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, one of the more important things is I think they need to go back to that academy-centric idea. We talk about and, how North Texas should be used like that. Let's be. Let, let's just be completely honest. Last year's Chattanooga playoff game that we lost two to one, there was only one academy player on the 18-man roster, and that was Carrera. True. Uh, I think true. North Texas SC. That's why I don't really like thinking about it as like trophies or playoffs because that's not what matters here. I mean, we we have some really good signings, but at the end of the day, I would rather have Isaiah Parker training with FC Dallas if that meant Nolan Norris could get minutes because that's that's what matters here because we're we're not gonna get those peppy talents obviously that that's not gonna happen like every single year, but 
those kinds of players need these kinds of professional environments. And I mean, um, that's why I'm really hoping that's what it's used for. Because at the latter stage of last year, North Texas SC just became its own team. They used FC Dallas players, but it was there, there was no academy players that really made an impact, which was different from the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I think um, restructuring the like that that might be why there was this massive reshuffle in North Texas SC. I mean, we know that Eric Quill probably had ambitions, but let's be honest, his departure was surprising. We didn't think he was going to go. Um, so this is like I'm really hoping that it's not the same story this year. I don't think it will be, and I think that Nico sees this team as that kind of tool. Um, but the the performances we've seen from these academy players in preseason has been really good. I mean, uh, we I've I only saw them play against Tulsa, but when they played against Tulsa, even in that loss. Um, Anthony Ramirez looked as dynamic as we've been told he is. And I mean, he plays for the Mexican Mexican youth national teams. Um, uh, Santiago Ferreira in the midfield was better than Waldeck, who, I mean, it's great that there's leadership there, but like Santiago Ferreira was really, really good when he played. Um, mm. There's a lot of center backs that, and def- like defensive players. Nolan Norris is like he is a very far from like wing back where he has all the tools. It's not just one skill set that he has. He has he he can be a fully rounded player, but these players need minutes. So I mean, again, it's great the signings that they've made. We finally, as an organization, have benefited from the Bayern um, uh, agreement. Like finally, we get a player for that. Um, but. This is what this team should be used for. It, these academy players need that step up, and hopefully we see that. So I just want to make an amendment to that. Uh, in its first year, SC Dallas gave the academy kids a ton of time. This is true. But when they made the playoffs, it was most of the players playing in the playoffs were the FCD players that were loaned down. I mean, just go back and look at that title game. That was almost all FCD. Uh, reserves, and that's because Dallas isn't going to turn down an opportunity to play their senior reserves in a meaningful game with meaningful stakes. That's that's something they're not going to pass up. Because say, hey, okay, we gave the kids minutes in the regular season, but the playoffs, it's one and done. Okay, let's put our reserves in, in, in there, and, and they understand that, hey, something's on the line here. You're expected to produce. If you think this is pressure, which you get, which you get into an MLS playoff game, so Dallas isn't going to turn that down. To them, that's just another learning, learning, learning. And you're guaranteed that the quality of opponents going to be better than the regular season. That's one thing. The drop off in the academy is you have to go back to COVID when COVID hit, and basically the transfer between teams became a two week quarantine between teams. It made it almost impossible to keep shuffling academy kids around. And I still remember that season because Dallas often played on the road with only 17, 17, 16, 15 players on the roster because they either didn't have, none of the uh, FCD senior roster players would travel with them and only whatever kids were already there from the academy would travel. And so 
last year was kind of it's not you can't really hold it against them last year because one they knew this was the last year in USL League One they already knew that they're going to be transferred to a new and the other thing is they weren't sure how if the COVID thing was going to continue to stick so they kind of hedged their bet by signing more players to their North Texas roster than before because they wanted to make sure that they weren't shorthanded. So they kind of did that on purpose. And now this year you're starting to see them saying, Hey, let's go back to pre COVID and give these, these players minutes. And, and because a lot of the opponents they're going to face are going to be doing the same thing. It's going to be easier to stick with it than if you're playing, say a Chattanooga or a, you know, guys a team that's loaded with guys that are 24 25 years old that are beating up you know your kids there's going to be other teams that 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 they're going to face that are also academy heavy and and so it's not going to be a risk it's only going to be a risk against certain teams like st louis or kansas city's got a very very uh like a u23 u24 team there's certain teams that are going to be uh building a full grown team but a lot of teams that you're going to face are going to be riding the same boat as you. They're going to be fielding a U20, U21 team. And and so, like I said, I expect them until the summer. I expect them to rotate the academy. The other thing we're forgetting is is Ka doesn't know the academy like the, two, uh, like the previous uh, coach for North Texas. And therefore, he kind of has to give the kids minutes because he needs to see them. He needs to see what, what he's working with. And that's, I think that's going to be lead to inconsistent results. Uh, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some, because Kyle has to learn what he's got to work with. He can't, he can't just be like Quill and say, you know, I know what, you know, the three, three uh, forwards in the system down the line, you know, what the U19, U17, U15, I know what they they bring to the table. Kyle can't say that. He can look yeah. at the table all he wants, but he has to actually rotate them in and, and see what they can do. And, it may take him several months to get that squared away. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll visit again about North Texas. We'll, we'll, we'll touch base with them and kind of see how that's shaping up. Uh, you know, Ben asked what age does the academy end, and it is a high school kind of, you know, ends in high school. U- so I th- U19. U19. Oh, U19. So there's a point, I think, where some of those kids, like, they have to make that choice. Do we go to college? Uh, you know, do we, uh, well, you know, what's yeah. our next step? The only, the only non-academy player currently with the team that I'm aware of is Seth Wilson. He's uh, graduated from the U19. He's probably gonna. I think he's committed to college, but he doesn't have to he's be not, for a while. He's not. Uh, he, I, okay. he, he left his uh, college, uh, yeah. p- like his college uh, choice last year when he went to Portugal, and things didn't go to plan in Portugal, so he's back here. So I mean, he could go back to college. I don't think he will. Yeah, but, I think he's still yeah. eligible. So, but I'm saying I. I think he's keeping his options, so there's no guarantee. He is still in camp, and so everyone's kind of like, is he or isn't he? But they did sign that Brazilian kid that uh, who's a U19 to back up uh, uh, Carrera, who's 17. Uh, so I think that limits the possibility of that happening. Carrera turns 18 tomorrow. Okay, cool. Okay, well, two 18-year-olds. Uh, that's honestly that's I'm okay with that. That's the way it should be. That's that's what you want from North Texas. Is, is yeah. Uh, I want to say that a lot of players that they signed 
I don't think there's too many players that are blocking the path of other players. Uh, Kamungo is young. Uh, uh, Hope is young. I mean, the the oldest player on the roster is Waldeck. Uh, and it really is an anomaly, really. I think uh, Nice is 23, the college. He's a college guy. And other than that, I mean, the only other old players on the roster are any senior roster members that come down, you know. Hernandez, uh, Redzik. <laughs> I don't want to Redzik to be old, but he's old by North Texas standards. The average age on that roster is about around 19. Under It's 19.6, 19.7, something like that. And it gets younger once you throw in all the academy kids. So this is going to be a very young team, no matter what. And, and, and I think there's plenty of spots for the young players to get. Especially center back, left back is uh you know when Parker eventually I think Parker's only there to at the beginning just to get him you know get him playing time, uh, but there's going to be playing time at multiple spots. Uh, uh, I'm kind of excited. I like I said, I want to see them get give the academy kids minutes. That uh, let's see what we got. Yeah, let's see what. Well, let's. Oh, go ahead and go to Ishmael. Pablo Torre looks great. Uh, I know he's a he does. Uh, like yeah, because in that preseason game, his goal is incredible. And I mean, from like he, he looks exactly like Pepe. It's like the exact same striker. It's uncanny. It's tall, lanky, um, with still like a little bit of a baby face. It's incredible. It's it, it, maybe he's Pepe incarnate. Because, I mean, he impressed enough to get a very decent contract, like a very player-friendly yeah. contract. He's, so, he's a region. Yeah. He's a peppy yeah. region. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think uh, one more note on that is I think Kamungo coming out of high school and, and allowing them open the door for a player like Torre. And now I'm okay if this becomes an annual tradition where we sign some high school kid no one ever, ever has ever heard of but who shows he's got skills and maybe it's just lacking that technical training that can make him a true professional. So I love it. I, I, I'm so excited about that. I honestly, I'm not expecting this kid to come in and, and, and be the starter, or be, but I just want to see, you know, if he wows us here and there from time to time and says progress, like, like Kamango did, I'm all for it, man. I think that's exciting. Well, let's let's wrap up the show. It's getting late here on the East Coast. Um, uh, Portland Timbers come to town this weekend to face uh, FC Dallas once again in Frisco. Uh, Portland hasn't lost yet. Two draws, one at home, one on the road, and then a win against Austin FC. Although a one nothing win against Austin FC is not a whole lot to write home about in my book. But you know, maybe Austin's a lot better this year. Uh, but. Uh, you know, Portland is a, is an interesting team that uh, can still do a lot of damage, and you know they've got got a new face there. I haven't looked at him too much to see kind of what what he brings, but there's a lot of excitement. They're always a strong side, always tough to beat, but certainly doable at home. You expect in this league. What are what's uh, what are we thinking about this weekend? We think we think this is a doable match, or you know, is it going to be another one of these ones where it's just. Uh, Slugging it out, figuring it out, you know, just, uh, are we likely to see a draw? Hopefully not. I mean, 
A victory would be kind of cool. I mean, there's a... Again, the, the, I think the player you're talking about is Santiago Moreno. He came last year, but he didn't really play because Blanco was basically on fire. Um, I, he's a very, very dynamic player. Like, he's very quick on his feet, very good in... Um, in like pa- passing with other with his teammates and like quick off and on the ball um that's the uh that's the player i believe that farfan is going to face so mm-hmm. that's it's going to be interesting to see how he fares against a player of his talent um portland has uh issues at center back um, not th- their two center backs this year are not the same starters of last year because their two starters of last year are super old. So they're trying to do the transition. We might see those veteran center backs again. Um, it's if Nashville was a win, Portland definitely is a doable win because Nashville is way more stout defensively. Um, and let's let's be real. I mean, Portland's got those two draws because Yimichara decided to do two bicycle kicks in two consecutive weeks. That's hopefully this doesn't happen again, but I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how they got those two draws. And I mean, against Austin, they should have gotten more goals. Like at the end of the games for those two games, there was like one-on-ones, like five different times that Portland couldn't score for some reason. Um, But it's definitely a winnable game. I mean, Another clean sheet would be great. Let's go two zero again. Why not? Okay. Why not? Yeah. I I I think he's right. I think it's uh, I could see like a one zero victory or something like that. But that's not my concern. My concern is unlike Nashville, Portland it's gonna be physical and chippy and and they know they have a young Dallas team and they're gonna try to turn this into a brawl. And try to basically unsettle, you know. Uh, you saw what was going on with Martinez. That's going to be going on across the board. That's going to be they're going to try to rattle the young team and 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 sneak in a goal and walk out of here with a victory. And if not, if they can't sneak in a goal, they're going to try to get somebody red carded. There's going to it's going to come down how the rest call this. Do the rest let them play? Do they get card happy? I expect an ugly game where that attack, getting a goal early by FC Dallas is huge. You got to get that goal in the first half and you got to get Portland out of that. We're going to muck it up and and basically draw this, you know, talk to the Austin fans. They'll tell you nothing happened in the game. There was a lot of nothing happening until that goal. That, that's basically the way that game was explained to me. And Portland would be happy with that. Portland would be happy to just stall this game and, and, mm. and make it chippy, make it ugly. And just if you're seeing the, the, the kids complaining to – if you're seeing a, like a guy like O'Brien on the ground complaining to the refs and, and, and that's happening to him and a lot of other players, then Portland is getting their kind of game. Yeah. We, we both know how to get those guys go. Yeah, it is worth noting – one of the weak points from the national game was set pieces. Zimmerman dominated. Portland will do the yes. same thing. Portland, yes. like their center backs, the, the the veterans from last year are huge. 
these new the, these backups are huge too. Tuiloma scored off a set piece against Austin. That's how they got their goal. Portland um, will be happy that, to mark yeah, it up yeah. and get those set yeah. piece goals. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, and and that, I think again, it's a home game. You want those three points, and I think Dallas can can get those three points, but they can't fall into Portland style game. They gotta they gotta play it on their terms. And that's what I want to see. I want to see Nico. How does he handle a team that's going to basically say, forget your playbook. We're going to draw you into into something you haven't seen in MLS before. And they're going to try to welcome Alasco to MLS and say, welcome to MLS, kid. This is the kind of thing you're in for. Not just him. They're going to try to do that to, to Paxton, too. I'm just saying. It, yeah. I, it, it's, I expect a truly, truly grueling game. And, and uh, the, the sooner Dallas scores, the sooner it can open up and become more of a Dallas game. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I think it's a home. you got, you got to find a way to win, even if it's a little ugly, even if it, you end up just scrounging up a goal. But I, And I agree with you, Ismail. It's the, the one thing I, I mentioned on my uh, my article on BigDSoccer.com. That, you know, set pieces was the one area where Dallas looked a little shaky. Uh, Walker was... You could say unlucky, or it'd be just he had it had had, a, had some chance a chance or two, you know. Um, and of course, that's it. Also, makes you wonder if Walker was still with FC Dallas, you know, what what a pairing Hedges and him would have been. But hey, that's life. That's 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 soccer. But um, yeah, I I think this team still has things to to work on, and we're going to continue to be tested. And the question is going to be: Are they going to? Will they take that next step? Will they step up? How will Nico handle a different team? We are watching Nico's, you know, his his ability as head coach, kind of unfold right in front of our eyes. So it's an exciting time. So let's let's hope for those full three points, and we'll we'll leave it there tonight. Thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks Ben, Christian, Javier, Todd. A lot of great comments, and questions, and good some good sarcasm and humor tonight. We appreciate Thanks, you. Bye, guys. Even had a guest guest appearance from Drogo. The the after dark mascot cat so good <laughs> we'll be back of course next monday night same time same same uh, venues and uh you can also check us out uh, our podcast on spotify on apple music or on anchor.fm slash big d after dark all right so uh, thanks ismail thanks jose good night everybody thank you good guys night. good night